The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the Introcast Wars came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 Introcast. The year is 2014. The show, Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Well, guess what, you guys? We are joined again by the Babylon Lurker. Say hello to Yan. Hey, Yan. Welcome back. Hey, you. Hey, everyone. You're just a... You're kind of just a permanent resident on Babylon 5, aren't you? And we just bump into you occasionally down below. Yeah, you're always lurking around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That must be it. So this was the episode that you originally chose, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, we'll get to it when we talk about the episode. (laughs) Yes, we do. Today we are here to discuss episode 21 of season 2, Comes the Inquisitor. But first, here's an ISN special report. Welcome back for another ISN special report. In the aftermath of the resolution of the Narn Centauri War, it was a quiet week on Babylon 5. Jakar was seen with his fellow Narns, presumably looking for comfort. A Vorlon ship was seen approaching the station, but no Vorlons were ever reported. All in all, a quiet week on Babylon 5. This has been your ISN Special Report. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join We Be Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the geek revolution. Want to know more? Comes the Inquisitor originally aired on October 25th, 1995. It was directed by Mike Vahar, who last directed There All the Honor Lies, and it was written by JMS. And Mike Veja is a very, is very well known in Babylon Five uh, circles as the, as a director. He's done very so many brilliant episodes. Right, I see. So I was looking at all the stuff he directed the other day, and yeah, I'll be seeing his name a bunch more. I think. Yeah, it's um, a great thing with JMS. He finds people to work with who you know do a good job, and he brings them back time and again. 
Before we do the recap, just a reminder that signups are starting on February 8th. Uh, details are in the Facebook group and, you know, post on the website. Just send prioritized list to mail at downbelowpodcast.com beginning at noon Pacific on February 8th. Good luck. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of good episodes to choose from. Yeah. Well, that's always the case with Babylon 5. But season 3 and 4 are just chuck full. Great. I keep forgetting to mention this because I'm not good at advertising, but if you like Terminator, folks, there's a new Terminator podcast starting up <laughs> called What We Make. It's at whatwemakepodcast.com. Originally, it was going to be a Sarah Connor Chronicles intro cast, but it's sort of expanded to include the whole Terminator cinematic universe, and we're probably going to talk about JMS's Terminator comics as well. So it's going to be myself, Matt from the Twin Peaks podcast, and intro to Briscoe and Carney cast, and also Malika, who you've heard on this show, and yes, investigating Mars, right? I'm going to be sending feedback in for this and hopefully guesting at some point because it's an yeah. excellent show. Yeah, I'll be guesting as well. I've never seen almost any Terminator anything <laughs> except for Terminator 2. Ooh. That's it. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. And if you like, if you have seen the 12, I mean, sorry, if you have seen the Sarah Connor Chronicles, check out 12 Monkeys on Sci-Fi. It definitely has that Sarah Connor Chronicles vibe to it. Well, one of the creators of it actually referenced the Sarah Connor Chronicles saying, I think one of they actually wrote on it and saying they right, learned yeah. a lot from it. Yeah. So we'll go back to Babylon 5. <laughs> Let's do that. Start with the recap. So this episode takes place between, well, from December 19 to December 20 to 2259. Guy in the crowd seems skeptical of that. <laughs> the other Nar are worried that Jakar is embarrassing himself, but he doesn't want people to forget about them. And he gets dragged off to a meeting, but when they leave, we see that Veer has been watching the whole thing. And just look at his face. Yeah, yeah, so much. Yeah, so much going, going on. on his face. Yeah. And what else is Jakar gonna do? There's nothing he yeah. can do. I'm yeah. gonna sit there, do nothing. I mean, at least they're letting him, you know, speak his mind. Yeah, I saw that Kim Strauss played a Narn in this episode, and also Mark Hendrickson. We've seen him before playing a lot of Narns, and yeah. I think he played Grey Council members. Yeah, Grey oh, Council. Just not he better uh, gotten his uh, preacher's license because <laughs> we saw what happened to Brad Dourif when he didn't have one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought about that. I guess you don't have to have one for political reasons. Like, if it's just politics. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I have to assume that um, Natas is, is no longer with us. Because she should have been in this episode. So I can't imagine what they would need her for. I don't know. I just think she's gone. Maybe she was on none. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I could see that. I could see that maybe he had sent her home to, you know, to, I don't know, deliver something or to uh, pass on information or 
anything like that. It just would be nice to maybe have a comment about why she's gone. Yeah, she doesn't even get a passing comment. Speaking of Brad Dourif, you reminded me there's another podcast starting up on Deadwood. It's an excellent show, but it's called Hooplecast. It'll they've already recorded their introductory episode, and I'm looking forward to sending in feedback on that show. And I'm going to get to swear all over the place. <laughs> awesome. And your feedback. Yeah, like, You're going to swear all over your, your feedback. Yeah, it's going to awesome. be. There's a lot of cussing on that show, and the podcast is going to be explicit. Oh, okay. I have signed up to listen to that podcast. I've never watched Deadwood, so I'm looking forward oh, to that. Oh, it's awesome. If you like westerns and whatnot, it's awesome. Um, so in the corridor, Delenn goes to see Kosh, who calls for her. He has sent for an inquisitor so he can be sure about her, and he says that she will submit to his authority, and she will know who it is if she survives. Yeah, she wanted to know how she would know who it is. That's quite a comment, isn't it? Like, what does that mean exactly? Think in the rest, in the context of the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm. You'll know, like, when he arrived on the station, they knew who who it was. Yeah, because hello, Vorlon ship. Not very. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm. Indeed. He was pretty verbose in that scene, but I still don't know what he was talking about exactly. Well, what did you make of him in this? He, I thought he was quite sinister. Yeah. Quite. Gosh. Yeah. I I was, like, trying to listen to what was happening with his, the sound, because it's almost like you could pick up something, like, you could hear, like, people talking in the background or whispers or something, and, like, once in a while, you can actually hear what you think is actually words, but you can't quite figure it out. Like, I'm just like, I thought I heard some words, but I have no idea what it said. Yeah, it, it, it's great effect, and... He, he, he draws you in. But he does have... He does say a lot in this scene, but I guess because it's maybe it's a private meeting with Delin, he's a little more talky, but... <laughs> they're in the middle of the hallway. So yeah. <laughs> how private is it? Nobody gets to see his quarters, I guess. Well, Sinclair did. Sinclair saw it, yeah. Dressing screen and all that. I didn't really like how, like, the vagueness of it. I know that that's like a TV thing. But, yeah. like, the line, how will I know who it is? I don't know. I just don't like that kind of thing where it's like they're deliberate. The producers are being vague about it. They're the writers being vague about it. But in reality, the characters probably wouldn't be so vague about it. Like, they'd be just directly. I don't know. I don't like it. Then again, it is Kosh. So, <laughs> he's supposed to be. We get the opening credits, and after the credits, Delin and Sheridan, like Delin and Lanier are speaking to Sheridan. They can't tell him who's coming or who it is. They just want him to get through customs without any trouble. I like how Sheridan's like, asking's not a problem for you, Delin. Yeah, well, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might have been one of my quotes. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I think it was the way he said it. Yeah. I noted it, but uh, I didn't put it as a quote. <laughs> Again, this is another scene where I just didn't ring true to me. I felt like either they should have just come out with it or just trusted that the guy's not going to have anything that won't clear customs. I don't know. Uh, Just the whole vagueness of like, hey, let's do this for me. Ha ha. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah. um, 
one thing I picked up on though is that it, it, it seems very much that this is something Vaughans do when they're assessing people and perhaps Membari have had to go through it before and yeah, that's Vaughans influencing Membari culture right there. Uh, I guess it would have been like a long time ago, right? It would have been in the past war with the shadows. Perhaps, yeah. Um, Perhaps. And with what Sebastian says later, they've been everywhere. Inquisiting. I know how Delin is, but I would have been pissed. I would have like, how do you question me? Like, who are you to (laughs) judge me? And why now? Like, why not before? Why let me get all this way and then... Yeah. And then question. Yeah. Maybe um Kosh has seen the relationship forming between her and Sheridan and says, Ah ah ah, I can't have that. Um. <laughs> oh at least <laughs> well, we need to check. Joke's on you, Kosh, because it got worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just pushed it along. <laughs> yeah, so she explained that Kosh has his doubts about her since she's placed herself in the center of the coming storm. He wants to make sure she did it for the right reasons, and he wants to know that the right people are in the right place at the right time. And she has to do this alone, and she's agreed to do it of her own free will. But I saw that last scene where he kind of didn't give you a choice about doing this. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. You've got to ask, who are the Vorlons to say who's the right person? Good question, isn't it? And exactly what are they thinking is going to come out of, let's say, okay, I get that maybe if you don't believe what she believes, her methodology or her beliefs may seem a little wonky. But, like, what are you saying that's going to happen from that? That's what I don't get. Like, what what are they thinking is going to be the bad consequence of her coming at this from a different perspective? Yeah. Hmm. That is a good question. In Jakar's quarters, he's meeting with Mr. Chase, a weapons dealer. Who has the most ridiculous accent in several episodes. I think the last (laughs) time we saw someone with this bad of an accent, it was a dodgy, down-blower thug. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he looks like one as well. (laughs) He's really slimy, isn't he? He reminded me of somebody that I couldn't really play. He reminded me like this little guy that was in Kill Bill, I think Volume 2. I don't know. But anyway, he's played by Jack Keller, who was in Men in Black 2 and The Big Lebowski. He was in an Angel episode, Long Day's Journey. Jakar's buying weapons. He's saying that the war isn't over. The tac- Their tactics have just changed. Mr. Chase... Charges him a lot of money because Jakar isn't in a really great bargaining positions. Jakar notes that many of these are the same weapons that the Narn sold to Earth during the Earthman-Bari War. Jakar warns Mr. Chase not to screw him over because the money comes from the savings of Narn who are able to escape this entire occupation. I hope somebody has Jakar's line as a quote because <laughs> I didn't write it down. It's very long. Yeah. It's very long. I didn't He's write like it really down. like... I mean, after the whole 500 to 1 speech last week, I'm wondering what's going to come of this rebellion, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I get I get the the feeling about it and the why they want to do it, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen? He, this is yeah, not going he, to end well. No, sorry. 
So, yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, I was thinking, is he going to try and make it look like it wasn't Narns who did the bombings? Because that's the only way you're going to save Narn lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how. Well, this scene had a lot of extreme close-ups and, um, like, angles looking up at the faces. It made it very claustrophobic. It was... Actually, this whole episode had a lot of close, extreme close-ups. Oh, yes, definitely. But I think it's done in a very interesting way, because right here, uh, Jakar feels really claustrophobic. He is penned in. There is nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up in CNC, we see Clarence. Hey, Clarence. Uh, <laughs> Please. There's a Vorlon transport coming through, and Ivanova calls Sheridan. Now, in the docking bay, Sheridan goes to take care of the paper. He's going to take care of the paperwork. Um, he greets the occupant of the ship, a human named Sebastian. I don't know if Sebastian's entrance was kind of cheesy to me, but... Just a close up of his feet. Yeah. Very much. Sound wise, I think it works because Sound. you just hear the cane first of the all. You, yeah, you're not quite sure what's coming. But as soon as you see the feet, then it gets a little cheesy. Yeah, I see what they're doing. They, You don't know what's coming out of the ship. Well, you so expect you... it to be a Borland, and then it's like, yeah. okay, what? Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome if it was a Borland. Another Vorlon. Ooh. Yeah. Are we sure we have seen another Vorlon ever? Not sure there's any more Vorlons. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there is <laughs> have seen We have seen other Vorlon ships, though. Right. Yeah. Yes. Sebastian's played by Wayne Alexander. He was in Space Invaders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but what he does here is really, really good. So Sheridan wants to get some information out of him about the Vorlon since he's been to the Vorlon homeworld, but Sebastian doesn't want to say anything. He looks around the Zocalo and notices that people haven't changed much. thought that was a nice touch considering what we find out later. Yeah, well, yeah. you get hints as to his true history almost straight away. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, hi, Elizabeth. Did you guess who he was? <laughs> No, no. How would you get that? Until, like, not until the very end when it was completely yeah. obvious. Uh, yeah, JMS took a lot of flack for basically how he came out and said who he was. A lot of people were saying that he was kind of, I guess, beating us over the head. But he did say, yeah, a lot. Some people picked up on it and sh- a lot sooner, but some people didn't know until you know he actually said the line. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, at the yeah. end, yeah, yeah. When I saw it the first time, I didn't pick up enough. Yeah. But yeah, even at the end, when he's yeah. like, after the last in a string of murders on the, well, I won't get to the overdub, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, okay, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, it's, it, as I said, it's just different people guess it at different times, but it's fairly interesting that Vorlons would use someone like that. Yes, he was abducted by aliens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Name is Ford Prefect, didn't he? Ah, so Mulder was right all along. Yep. Oh, damn. <laughs> he was. Sebastian does say that he was from London, the year 1988. He lived at 14 B. Not 1988, 1888. 
thought I said 1888. I, no, Sorry. I thought you said yeah. 1988. You, you did. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading 1888. <laughs> I said 1988. Yeah, that would have been a whole different scenario. Yes, he would have been from Manhattan and he would have been a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> the vor- he said the vor lines have been to Earth, and I hope this isn't a quote, but he said the vor lines are. Yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> Just reminded me of how Jason Ironheart became the Borlands are just a kind of statement. But it's an interesting, interesting comparison, isn't it? Yeah, you could compare the two, but also big information they've been to Earth. Yeah. Yes, they have. A long time ago. The Vorlons found him, then he's been in their service ever since. They preserve him when he's not needed, and that's all he has to say about that. That's, they say quite a lot, though. Yeah. Well, you got an address, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go look him up. Yeah. I do like this actor, but I think he talked and talked and talked a lot in this episode. <laughs> but when he Which did, isn't he did. really the, the actor's fault. Yeah. No, but when he did, he he's, did things very well, I think. He's yeah. kind of got to carry the episode, really, hasn't he? Because it's it, the title's named after him. He, he is the inquisitor <laughs> of, from the title. Yes. Next, Garibaldi has learned that Jakar has been buying weapons for use back on Narn. Garibaldi doesn't care. He just doesn't want the weapons coming through B5 because it could put the station at risk. He's glad that Jakar didn't lie to him, so he gives Jakar some info on a friend who might be able to help him get some weapons moved around for Jakar. I like this scene. I like this scene uh, myself Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, we've seen his friendship with London. I would see one develop between him and Jakar. Yes. And it's it's got a different feel to it, but it's definitely very similar. This next scene and the one with the voiceover. Yes. Yeah, this is the one uh, Delenn finds out that the Inquisitor is there. He's waiting for her in Grey 19, and they found somewhere that they won't be disturbed. There's a spotlight as well. (laughs) Yes, they... They like the lighting there. That's uh, important. Well, I, I yeah. thought it kind of echoed the Grey Council and the lighting mm-hmm. in the Grey Council. Yes. Yeah. There's one more thing to say about this. These two scenes were actually recorded separately, but uh, JMS thought, in, he says in the script books, that it didn't work so well. So he used one of them, the one uh, with the Lent and, and Sharon talking as a voiceover. And it oh, works. I see. Okay. So he also said that there's a, there has been a lot of uh, rearranging of uh, of the script in the editing of, of of the episode because it may have worked in the script but not on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was a good choice. We didn't need to see her telling him nope. that she was going. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it actually builds the tension here yes, in the does. conversation as you're going down the corridor. Indeed. Dylan goes to see Sebastian. He has her put on a manacle. She can remove them any time, but if she does, then she admits failure and defeat. So he begins questioning. He re- repeatedly asks her, who are you? And none of her answers satisfy him. And she He can give her pain through the manacles. If she repeats an unacceptable answer, his, her pain will be increased. And he kind of mocks her a little bit about how she identifies herself and talks a lot and talks about how many people he's broken people who think they are chosen he doesn't believe she is and says that she won't either by the time she leaves and she might even die there 
So, did you pick up on the significance of that question? Because we've had another question very similar. Yes. What do you want? Yes. Yeah. And now we've got, who are you? Hmm. What does I mean, that's cost? a hard question. I mean, I, I saw what he was yeah. getting at right away, and I wish the Lynn had too. <laughs> but <laughs> still, it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. There's no right answer. Yeah. It's, it's the most difficult question to answer for anyone. Yeah. And also, for an Inquisitor, he wasn't doing... I mean, he was doing a lot of talking himself. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't waiting for answers much, was he? He just no. kept badgering and badgering. Yeah, but to Len's comment later on, she's kind of spot on with her assessment of Sebastian. Oh, yeah. It's too long, but I would have had it as a quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty long. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they're addressing... The fact that she thinks that she's on a mission from yes. right. you know, God <laughs> so, or her whatever. God. I'm glad they're addressing it. But, but okay, the thing is, that. The, the other thing is, when he asks, have you nothing of your own? Right. Uh, something that's not stamped, delineated, approved, uh, and so on and so on and so on. That looks to me like a prisoner reference. Mm. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah. We know JMS does like his prisoner. Oh, yes, he does. I just don't understand what the Vorlons are trying to do with him. Like, do they not see how he is <laughs> in action? Like, do they not know what he what he does? Because I don't understand why his whole I will get you to stop believing what you believe thing has anything to do with anything. If you feel like her beliefs are in, in going to get in the way, then that's one thing. But trying to change her beliefs or wanting her to not have something because you don't you feel the same way, I don't see how that has anything to do with anything. Unless well, then, they do know his techniques. Well, I, yeah. yeah. And then it makes, why, they do, but... if they do know his techniques, why are they doing it? Yeah, who are these yes. people? I mean, who are these who do, who do they think they are? Yes. Yeah. Counter-suited buttholes. And I know that we'll, we'll get there later, but I don't think that his end result actually helped matters. But uh, we'll get there. We get yeah. there. Next, Beerus walking through the corridor and has to fend off some guy asking for a favor. He gets on the elevator and there is Jakar. And that Awkward. scene is oh, priceless. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. you can see so much going on in Beerus' face. Both of and faces. Yeah, no dialogue until the very end, but so much going on. He apologizes to Jakar for everything. Beard said he tried to warn him, but they wouldn't listen. Jakar makes a dramatic point with his knife, and yes. Beard can't apologize to all the dead, so Jakar can't forgive him. It's, it's, Imagine Jakar like, afterwards going, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed right in the moment. Yeah. His hand's going to be hurting for days. I have to get a new glove. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a little, That's the worst part that it has to get a new glow. There's a little story connected to that scene. I think it was one of the conventions last year, and, uh, or the year before that. Stephen first told that uh, Andreas Katsoulis' performance in this scene was so powerful that he was on the verge of breaking down himself, Stephen first. Mm. Uh, so that's how that's why it works so so uh, so powerfully, I think. Yeah, um, it's just. Katsulis can act so well through all that prosthetics. Yes. See his pain. Yes. You can feel it. 
his oh, anger right. as well. It's just oh. it's, I mean, the 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 moment he says that he cannot forgive, you hear the pain in his voice. Yeah. Not just anger, but pain. Yeah. Because I I think it's because he sees that Vier is sincere. Oh yes, it's but he's also angry that you could I'm sure he's thinking you could have done more. Probably. Right, it's, it's a, that whole, you know, all it takes for evil is for good men to look away thing. Yeah. I saw a note that in the original UK broadcast, they edited this scene so you don't see Jakar cutting his hand. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, as I said, most of my uh, B5 experiences through the video, so <laughs> I kind of always saw it. But TV tends to edit things a bit more than... Um, Everyone else, I think. Yeah. Again, a lot of extreme close-ups in this scene. Very. Yeah, Beer and Jakar. Yeah, but it's one of the most awkward um, lift scenes <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Back down in grade 19, Sebastian's giving Delaine a hard time again about how she thinks she's chosen and has a destiny and the universe will come save her. And he makes her call out by giving her more pain. He wants to know... Uh, yeah, no, oddly, the universe does come to save her because Sheridan <laughs> comes to save her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Representing the universe, yeah. It's just, yeah. Sorry, Bill. Uh, uh, also, listen, when you, when you have these things and he just listens and there's nothing, no music either. It's just quiet. Just the background noise. I like that. He wants to know why she's there. Well, he eventually does get her to admit that she might be wrong. And as a reward, he gives her 10 minutes rest. You know, I mean... Okay, go ahead, Hayden. Sorry. In this scene, he's using all these biblical stories. talking about Jonah and the whale. And I'm like, yes. that means nothing to her. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's for the she's viewers. Like, oh, it's like, yeah. you know, I know, I know. Well, for himself as well, because he clearly likes yeah. making speeches. No. <laughs> he's, been, he's been in the service of the Warlords for 400 years, and you know how little they speak. Well, he's well, been like frozen he or something. He oh, when, should enjoy that, do. because he can talk all the time. Or when, the, or when they do, he doesn't understand them anyway. <laughs> he's been practicing that speech for 400 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... You can't really, uh, you can't talk somebody out of their faith if they believe something. And and she didn't really admit that, or she didn't really say that she she could be wrong. I mean, she kind of did, but she also she just so basically admitted, yeah. Sometimes I question what I'm doing, which is what you want to hear. Right. But then that means that she's questioned it and she's reaffirmed her belief. Yes. And mm, yeah, it's, it's like trying to badger somebody into not believing something. It's, just, it's impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. It, and essentially, it comes down to optimism versus pessimism. This whole thing between Sebastian and Delenn, it seems. JMS uh, has a theme going on all the way through, even not B five, but uh, through everything he says, talking about following your dreams, and he's also talking about the tyranny of the reasonable voices. And uh, the reasonable voice in this case is Sebastian. Delenn is a dreamer. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, at this point, I just kind of felt like he was trying to break through her pride, which is, you know, a very Mimbari Def- trait. Definitely. Definitely that too. Oh, yeah. But he's also trying to appeal to her Membari, um social mores, you know, trying oh, to yes. get her to... That, that's a, that's a quote there. Yeah, I wasn't going to go for the full quote, but yeah, no. trying to rein her back into not yes. being a dreamer. I mean, it's definitely worth questioning and talking about, but I don't think this is the way way of doing it. Just No, no. that's a different story. Next, Jakar is talking to the Nard on B5. He's had trouble getting the weapons, and they can't be sure that the weapons will reach Narn. I have a note about how somebody pronounced alternate. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Jakar said alternate in a funny way. Anyway, (laughs) they suggest that someone else may need to lead the Narn. Um, They can't get word to or from the homeworld. But... Okay. Jakai's in real trouble here, and he knows it. Yeah. Uh, if Jakar can get word from their families, they will accept his leadership. Otherwise, he's going to step aside for someone else to lead them. So Jakar says he'll get the message within 24 standard hours. And Although, I, sorry, go ahead. I thought here that um, it was going to be through Veer because of that previous scene. Oh, Oh, that, that would have been, been a possibility. nice setup. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. That would have made mm. way more sense. Than the yeah, and <laughs> it would have paved the way for uh, Jakar to be able to forgive Beer because he's actually doing something to help mm-hmm. them. True. Yeah, I really thought it was going in that direction, so I was actually quite surprised when uh, he went and talked to Sheridan. Unless Beer is a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> ranger Beer. Ranger in disguise. <laughs> One of the Narn was played by Dennis Michael, who was a CNN reporter who was doing a story at the time on B5's makeup group. Oh my gosh, so how cool. cool. They, yeah, so they made him up as a Narn and put him in this scene. Nice. I didn't know that one. Didn't, um... They also use, um... B5 makeup uh, on a uh, comedy show about um, someone going to or people from a convention hanging around a coffee shop or something. A Drew Carey show. I need to find that episode somehow. Is that the picture Um, somebody posted in the Facebook group? Yeah. Yeah. So Sebastian's still giving Delenn crap saying that (laughs) she thinks she's more important than she is. He says that she's a fool, and she kind of turns the tables back on him a little bit, oh, saying definitely. he's received pain and enjoys giving it out. And yeah, people, sorry. People who think, uh, it's, it's, uh, she says that people who think they can make a difference remind him of his own failure, and he gives her pain and starts going back to the who are you and whatnot. Yeah, he just was just giving her pain at, at this point. It was like not even... I mean, I, I, he was just basically torturing her. Right. Because yes. he didn't he like just, what she had to say, not for any... Yeah. Yeah, that's actually uh, my uh, note on this scene. I just have more torture. At, at yeah. this point, I think he's actually getting frustrated that this one's not behaving the same way as everyone else I've questioned. I'm not breaking her. 
cultural work. Hmm. Or maybe not. What exactly? I just, I'm just also trying to figure out what exactly he wanted her to say. Like, you're right. (laughs) I give up. Next, uh, Jakar goes to Sheridan to get help on getting word to Homeworld. There hasn't been any official word from Narn since the Centauri took over. The Centauri did say they would open up regular channels in a few weeks. When Sheridan leaves, Sheridan decides they're going to use the Rangers to get word to the Narn because they know Jakar and they want to help keep him in charge of the Narn. So yeah, the Rangers thing did kind of come out of nowhere. Like, what? So either they have Centauri Rangers, or these or these people that... I couldn't quite figure this out. This, these were people that were captured by the Centauri, or they were trapped and hiding from the Centauri? I just figured they were on the Narn homeworld somewhere, and they just can't communicate. They can't get you know, communications out. Yeah, they've stopped all communication, like, channels. The Centauri have so. Well, the Centauri actually aren't on Nar- Narnia right now. <laughs> yeah, of course it's not Narnia. It's Narnia. Yeah. Although I, I really did like the way this scene starts out, the way it's filmed. That is because you've got Jakar's shadow entering the room before him, and he really is in the darkness, seeking help from the light. It's oh. it, it, just the way it was filmed. It was just done so well. Yeah. Elizabeth, I the way that I'm kind of thinking of it is that they've probably got like Centauri troops there and but people are still like I don't know if they're living in their homes, but they're like grouped together but not necessarily prisoner like right. spa, you know, like as yeah. far as yeah. Yeah, because it would be hard to occupy an entire planet. Yeah. That would be crazy. Yeah, okay. I, it's, it's amazing that the Rangers were able to get there, though. Right. Pretty, They're pretty good. good. Yeah, they are good. Next, Lanier finds Delin and wants to get her away. See, at first I thought this was a trick. I thought, that's not really Lanier. It's in her. <laughs> They're trying to trick her. Mm-hmm. But um, she gets <laughs> Lanier to leave because she doesn't want to fail. That's very dramatic. After this, Lanier goes to find Sheridan. He wants Sheridan to defy Kosh because he thinks the Inquisitor is killing Delenn. Sheridan's the only one who can do it. <laughs> Although earlier, when oh, he was nope. talking to Sheridan with Delenn, he was saying how important it is she go through with this, even though she might die. So Yeah, and he and, and before, when she went into where all those um, aliens were dying, he accepted that she might die there, and he went with her. It's like, now he just can't take it. You know, he's not listening Mm. to her. It's that or the reality of the situation is far more more than what he was expecting. And, yeah, something's definitely going on. It's, It's... He's got to come to terms with a few things, perhaps. Yeah. There was a scene filmed where Lanier went to see Kosh to ask about Delenn and wherever he hurts alarmed him and he went looking for Sheridan. Oh, that would have been interesting. To see Kosh's reaction. (laughs) Oh, lack of. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He probably would have just said. (laughs) And? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We see Sebastian torturing Delenn more, telling her she was doomed from birth and 
Sheridan barges in and tells him to stop. <laughs> or he walks in and tells him to stop. And Sebastian zaps Sheridan and tells him that now it's his turn. God. <laughs> that little fire, whatever. Mm. <laughs> What's this? Sam? It actually reminded me of um, the abilities of the Technomages. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. So next we see Sheridan all tied up. Sebastian says that he, uh, Sheridan and Delenn are linked at the hip. And he wants to know how many Sheridan's willing to sacrifice for victory. And the whole time he's torturing Sheridan while asking these questions. And Delenn yells at him to stop because his quarrel is with her. If he wants to take someone, he should take her. And Sebastian mm-hmm. was uh, asking, what is he to you? And earlier was like, what is she to you? And... Since Delenn is willing to trade her life for her, for his, willingly, he says that they are free to go. They have passed. And uh. it's, yeah. <laughs> that was quite a turn, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very sudden. And now his job is fulfilled, and but Sheridan and Delenn's is just beginning, and they are the right people in the right place at the right time. Okay, this is where I don't know that he actually succeeded in anything because he found out that they didn't want glory and fame, that they would die for each other. But the fact that they would die for each other could maybe put the rest of the whole entire plan at risk. (laughs) Yeah, and also Uh, like... Unless the plan is... Oh, sorry. Lots of people would die for somebody else. Like... That's not hard to find somebody that would die for somebody else that they like. Took him four hundred years. To so. It wasn't a rando, you know. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't torturing some random alien that he picked up and down below. He was torturing. Okay, I won't say her husband because that's not officially canon. But he was torturing somebody that he that are they're joined at the hip. You know, it's like any person would die for some like their friend or their family member. It's, it doesn't yeah. say anything. Yeah, and your actions of, are just drawing them closer together. Mm-hmm. It sort of it sort of reminds me of uh, the, the without being spoilery. There's a question in uh, Buffy at the end of season five whether she would, uh, yeah, whether she would kill another person to save the world or not. And then there's kind of it comes up again later on and it's it's sort of that you know like yes a person would definitely be willing to sacrifice themselves for the ones that they love but would they be willing to let the ones that they love die in order for the cause or you know it's sort of that question mm-hmm and the answer is, uh, you want those people or you don't want those people? Exactly. What are we getting at here? <laughs> yeah. I want to see all these people who have failed. Like, who are these people that, you know, over 400 years you couldn't find? Yeah. Anyway. Mm, probably um, also, you'll help Membari and then a few others. When are we getting a kiss? Because, oh my seriously. God. <laughs> I know yeah, it's oh were... God, kiss already. I mean, yeah. really. <laughs> Dragging it on too long. <laughs> and the whole thing, the whole and this whole thing was so cliched. Oh, you passed the test. Oh, no. 
up in CNC, Sheridan's thinking about what happened. He gets Ivanova to do some research on Sebastian, though he doesn't have much information. Oh, he has an address? Has an address and a name. Doesn't know if it's a first or last name. Well, it's good that they have those records, though. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, Ivanova's Google Poo is the best on the station. Yeah. <laughs> like, and suspiciously, there's this unrelated incident that happened the day before. Weird. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So next we see not the Narn getting some messages from back home, and because of this, they decide to leave Jakar in charge. That was easy. Yep. <laughs> but here, but here <laughs> comes the here comes the question: Will he be challenged again? Well, you know, it's still early days, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Um, He's already been challenged a few times this season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, remember that fight scene? Mm-hmm. He was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the Narn mother in this scene is Diana Dare. She was the mother of the little Marcap girl in Aww. episode. Oh, okay. And she was Fish Lady in the War Prayer. Fish Lady. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen her in ages, have we? Nope. The next we see Sebastian speaking to Sheridan before he leaves, and after. Maybe a little too much talking. We found out that Sebastian <laughs> is Jack the Ripper. And the Vorlai showed him the errors of his ways, and he hopes that now they'll let him die. Wait, what? He's Jack the Ripper? Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I just got it. <laughs> oh, no, I get that Jack. <laughs> I thought he was Captain Jack Sparrow. What? <laughs> I thought no, he Captain was Jack Hartness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Was, he, uh, was he suggesting that the Vorlons picked him uh, to show him the error of his ways, or picked him because they thought he would be good for the job, right? He said he said they told him he would be perfect for the job. Uh, right, but yeah. he also said, like, they showed him the error of his ways. Was he just yes. was he being specific, like they did, or what he went through showed him the error of his ways? That's what I wasn't really quite uh, okay. Like, actually doing the yes. torture showed him i i don't know that it really did because he seems to quite yeah. enjoy it yeah uh yeah yes. as as Delenn said <laughs> i'm sorry i can't but uh, give you all lot answers for this yes <laughs> <laughs> jms did say that part of the reason for this story was to show that the vorlons to make them a little more gray make them appear a little more morally ambiguous you shouldn't Let's make them more ambiguous. (laughs) Yes, because they were morally ambiguous. You shouldn't just believe what other people say they are. What do people say they are? Nobody knows anything. We're supposed to be the good guys, I guess. Fighting for the light. Well, he was siding with the rest of the uh, people last episode when Delenn was presenting Sinclair with the Army of Light. There's uh, one other little thing, and that is uh, Mira Ferland's history. You probably know she was from the former Yugoslavia, the Croatia, actually. And uh, that experience of being in the war actually plays into her performance here. The the one about one life or a billion. You see her her, uh, intensity, and it comes from herself as well. Yes, her cause is life. Yeah, from um, experiencing war, basically, she's she's got her own philosophy, which is influencing the character. Yes. 
and said that's something that JMS picked up in uh, in, in the writing. He he uh, loves doing adaptations of the character to uh, to the uh, to the actors, small things, but something that amplifies their their performance. See Bill Blair playing alien. Um... Yeah, JMS said that this episode received more mail than most others, particularly from people in the religious community, people from universities and crisis centers. She had something that seemed to strike a chord with people. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. Yes. Like, what do you mean? What does that mean? Um. Well, maybe it's just that they got them thinking, and that's always good. Even it, whatever comes out of questioning things, either way it's good because you're questioning it. Yes. And you're thinking about it more. It Just accepting someone's word on something or the doctrine of something, I just find it a bit lazy. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. You've got to search for all your answers inside yourself and, you know, do your own research into things. I think maybe that's what the letters were about, that, you know, it's it's something, an episode like this can get you assessing, you know, what your own beliefs are and what your answers to the Inquisitor's questions would be. Yeah. See, John Flynn, he's the DP, right? Yes. He got a nomination for the cinematography in this episode. Okay. Uh, Yes, I can understand that. See, JMS said, last year we sent videotapes for our, I guess, the episodes that wanted to be up for nominations, and they got three nominations. And But Warner Brothers got upset about this because they, they don't do it that for other shows. But So Babylon 5 did this on their own, and Warner Brothers ordered them not to do it again. What? Typical uh, Warner Brothers. He said, other shows don't need it because their network shows them get good exposure, but syndicated shows that aren't Star Trek shows tend not to be Emmy aspirees, so it's not a problem. They're somewhere in between. So they were sending these submissions and Warner Brothers didn't want them to do it, so well, they had yeah. they had to sit on their hands and not do something that they Around would this get time, more exposure. There was, wow. there was, what, three sci-fi shows on, maybe? It's, 90, it's about 94 now, isn't it, in the uh, broadcast schedule? In 95. 95. Yes, so, X-Files, Star Trek, Babylon 5. Yeah, uh, that's it. Maybe a few others I can't think of. So, oh, wait, wait, when you said it was nominated, you're talking about for an Emmy? Right. Okay. Pretty good. So, Warner Brothers didn't want them submitting themselves, even though it would get them more exposure and more Emmy nominations. Wow. That's crazy. Well, well at an interview, JMS has told a little bit about internal politics in Warner Brothers, and um, I yeah, think, I've heard about I that. Think but that I think that plays a big else. role. Was it like somebody didn't want the show made, but this other group got the show made and and was successful? Like yeah, yeah. Different TV departments in you know a company, and they kind of pitch. <laughs> Each department to get to each other, which which that has doesn't been work. Warner, which Warner Brothers has been Warner Brothers politics for a long time. Yeah, and the people who didn't want the show made are still at Warner Brothers, and maybe that's why the show is 
still kind of being buried. I don't know. That's what I've heard. Yes, like, yes. Okay. So one yeah. department doesn't doesn't want the other to succeed, and uh, oh, it's awful. Yeah. So when uh, when Sheridan said East End, what did he actually say? West End. He, sh- oh, he right, said yeah. West End. Yes. Oh, okay. And they um they had to dub it over, but they didn't change the closed captioning, so the captioning still says West End. Mm, yeah, I think so. See, oh, Mordlands. Oh, it's pretty clear to a lot of folks that the test was in some ways more for Delenn's benefit than Kasha's, if that's what he meant. Uh, but he said a lot of folks got this. Others have said, well, why did he just come out and say that? That what was learned. Wait, what is it? Say what was learned or that this was for their benefit. Okay. I forgot I, forgot I had read that. So I guess the whole thing was mostly for... Lynn and Sheridan's benefit, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get that night. Uh, I must miss that uh, before. So, yes, his intention was to strengthen their beliefs. <laughs> um, and everyone else who's he tested, they failed that. They, they've crumbled. Interesting. Mm. So we were, sa- you were saying yes. Well, everything he was saying should strengthen someone's beliefs and that's exactly what he was trying to do rather than what according to that comment that's what it sounds like to me that comment right. he was trying to strengthen sheridan's belief of what delenn's beliefs well, yes yeah, more for delenn than kosh or, or sheridan yeah yeah trying to strengthen her belief that she's chosen one it sounds like it to me yeah Mm. And that's the first time I've heard that comment. <laughs> yeah, me too. That changes well, the reading. Ugh. That changes the reading of this episode completely. He's <laughs> trying to give Delenn a confidence boost, maybe. I don't know. It changes it from not understanding it on one side to not understanding it on the other. <laughs> yeah. Who, who does he think he is? Oh, uh, hey, gosh. <laughs> Let's just channel that hatred. Oh, you know what Kosh's answer to that would be? Good. You like to see what's under their robe? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do quotes of the week. I only have one because I didn't feel like writing down one of Sebastian's long monologues. (laughs) Okay, well, you go. (laughs) Mine is Sebastian. Bang. 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 (laughs) Okay. I wrote down a really long one. Okay, I wrote for it now. Mr. Garibaldi, I have been on this station long enough to know that you don't ask leading questions unless you already know the answer. So why don't we just pretend that I have lied about it, you've caught me in your web of ineluctable logic, and cut to the point. It's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you're the guest. You should really... (laughs) Okay. Well, my first one is uh, uh, Vier and Jakar. I'm sorry, Jakar. And then uh, Jakar grammatically cutting the hand and says, dead, 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 dead. How do you apologize to them? We say, I, I can't. You... I can't. Yeah. And then I cannot forgive. But it's just one of those that... Uh... There's always more deads than I remember. It just goes... There oh, is. There is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For every drop. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see, I so, have I have Sebastian 
when the darkness comes, know this. You are the right people in the right place at the right time. Oh, I had that one, but that's okay. Uh, I've got... Uh, This is my cause. Life. One life or a billion. It's all the same. Yes, it's good. Uh, Perhaps the world is right and Delenn is wrong. Have you considered that? Yes, sometimes. And then the reply, then there may yet be hope for you. There's one more. Be a nice Minbari. Conform. (laughs) (laughs) Be a nice little Minbari. And of course, there's always, who are you? Yes. And why are you here? All right. Let's do our characters of the week. Who is our human of the week? Do you want to go with Sebastian or... Oh, God, no. I don't think I can... No, I don't think I can do that. You don't? No. He was was that. It's a great performance. He really is a good performance, but I just don't like the character. No, that's true. And we're voting for the character, not the actor. No, no, it's it's, it's a great compliment to the actor. I think... uh, I like Garibaldi. Garibaldi. That's what I was just going to say. Yep, Garibaldi. Well, the one scene he's in, I suppose. He's in two, he's in two, but yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) it's the one with Shikar, yeah. I can can live with Garibaldi, no problem there. Garibaldi. Sorry, Sheridan. That's all you have to do is just not... (laughs) Yeah. So who's our alien of the week? Well, it's not so easy. No, there's cost, there's the land, there's beer, there's Jakar. Yes. I think it's between Jakar and Delenn. Yes. Mm. I think, oh, um, both of them do so good in this episode. Oh, yeah. I think I'm leaning towards mm. Jakar. Jakar had some really good lines and he did them really well. Yes. Plus he has so much facial expression. Yeah. Mm. In and, spite of in spite of all that uh, makeup, well, again, that's the actor, but yes. the character himself, yes, so good. It's so much you can read on on that alien face. It's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm fine with Jakar. Yeah. All right. Um. Next is I think ratings. <laughs> I think so. You want to start us out, again? Yes, I give this one. I really love it. Ten out of ten. Hmm. Rippers. <laughs> ten out of ten. Okay. How about you, Heidi? Um, this one was pretty good. Not as good as what we've been seeing the past couple episodes. Um, I was kind of getting not bored with the torture scenes, but it just went on a little too long for me. Um, so I gave it a. Seven out of ten alien abducted serial killers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? Oh boy. <laughs> okay. I think your rating may have changed while we were talking about the episode. Well, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And I got really excited. And then what happened happened, and I didn't. And then by the end, I was, like, rolling my eyes with the Jack the Ripper thing. The second time, I just, I I was maybe angry. I I think it has a good idea, 
Like, I really would have wanted to see this played out differently with, like, maybe a very smooth talking, like, like just sit down one-to-one, have a conversation. The Inquisitor comes in, they're sitting, they're talking, they're really hashing things out. It's not like a torture porn. It's like, it's like really, like, psychologically getting in there without beating somebody over the head with it. I hated the actor. I, I thought it was way over the top. Okay. And yeah, this is, okay. this is, I basically hated everything to do with the Inquisitor. So, so you would have preferred it if it was Bester, say, or Morden, or Morden. I don't even. know if I would have preferred it with either of those. Um, I, I think it had really good idea, and I was, I think what happened, what made me mad really about it was that I, I could see what it could have been to me, and that it could have been so much different. So, so different, and I would have preferred it so much better if it was done in, in a more subtle way. Um, and also, I, I didn't like how the whole, like, love will win out thing, the embrace of Sheridan and Delenn. I, I could go on, okay? So I will. Um, but I did like the Garibaldi and Jakar stuff. I liked all the Jakar stuff. So that was good. Um, and again, it had really good ideas. So I like that part of it. Um, however, I hated it. So um, I'll give it a five um, Babylon five torture rooms. <laughs> Ooh, possibly the lowest rating of the that. season. Yep. Sorry. I know a lot of people like it. I'm sure, but it didn't work for me. Well, that's the whole point of these shows. You know, sometimes you'll discover a, a gem we've not considered before. Other times you just won't connect with the material. It happens. Oh, yes. <laughs> For myself, there are some great moments in this. Um, Jakar and Garibaldi, Jakar and Mir, brilliant. I do love a lot of what Delenn does in this. The Inquisitor, sometimes I really connect with what's going on. At other times, it does feel melodramatic. It, it, I really like the direction, though, in a, a well, the, you know, um, cinematography in this, I should say, more than the direction, because the yeah. use of light in this is so good. They, you know, from the spotlights in the, in the Inquisition scene to... Jakar being in shadow when he's approaching Sheridan. There are some great moments, and that's what's bumping the episode up for me more than anything. So I'm going to have to go for 8 out of 10 philosophical questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really looking forward to watching this episode, but then when I saw it, I was actually kind of... I think in my mind it was better than... Um, it really was. I do like you know, the Jakar storyline, even though it kind of played out exactly how you would expect it to. Uh, the Inquisitor, yeah, like you guys have said, he was good at some times, but other times he was just bored. I was just talking so much, and I just kind of wish he would, you know, shut up. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'll just give the episode eight out of ten. Bang. Bang, bang. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and those, a... are, 
And those aren't bangs as in fringes, I'm sure. Yeah. So that brings our total score to a 7.6. What the heck is happening? I don't know if you guys can hear that. Yeah, or something. I'm going to put myself on mute. Oh. Hopefully came... it's not the Inquisitor come to get you, Elizabeth. Let, let's, oh yeah. my god, that'd be the worst. Oh. <laughs> 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 I give up. What do you want? <laughs> it's, it's the echo of, of Will's comment. Right. <laughs> oh well. This one thing so we that, could yeah. uh, maybe uh, spend a few minutes for on, and that is the difference between Morden and Sebastian. What is the difference between the two, and what is the uh, similarities? Morden lets people can... uh, incriminate themselves. Because <laughs> uh, they are both in very similar positions. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. They are the, the kidnapped, the, sort of, and they are the human representative. The, the human representatives of the two warlords and shadows. The their their human face. Yeah. I haven't seen more than torture anybody yet. No, we haven't. Uh, but we he's have... doing it through their own hand, really. Yeah, he's yeah, much he more is. subtle. Yeah, exactly. Here we go again. Hold on. Okay. Are we ready to put on some manacles and head to feedback <laughs> land? Um, I'm not <laughs> sure <torture>. about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a press route. Feedback. Uh, feedback land is getting dark and depressing. Yes, it lately. is. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Our first piece of feedback is a comment from Board. I'll read that. Board says, "I like pretty much everything about this episode, aside from the quote shocking reveal at the end. I don't mind that Sebastian is Jack the Ripper." I don't even mind that the show tells us that he's Jack the Ripper, although I think JMS could have trusted his viewers a little more. I do mind that the reveal is massively, clumsily overdone. Agreed. (laughs) However, it doesn't really matter because Sebastian is really Sheridan anyway. Comes the Inquisitor is a companion piece to In the Shadow of Zaha Doom with someone other than Sheridan in the role of interrogator. With someone who shares Sheridan's confidence that he knows what's right and that his and that this doesn't involve worrying about what anyone else thinks. Of course, a person that is not really a social, a person like that is not really a social animal. I'm not sure that makes them like an actual serial killer, real serial killers not being something about which I know anything very much. But the monstrous image of the fictional serial killer can be very much like that, and certainly this is one. Sebastian presents himself as someone whose fanatical moral certainty led him to horrific acts of murder in opposition to the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. So, a nice little examination of the similarity between our heroes and our monsters. Plus, Wayne Alexander gives one of the best guest performances in the series' entire history. Oh boy. Hmm? Thank <laughs> you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People do like Wayne Alexander's performance oh, in this. That's fine. Uh, our next piece of feedback is an email from Lori. Who wants to take that one? I can take that. Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitors. I will be interested to hear everyone's feedback on this one, as it seems that it might be somewhat controversial based on what I read in the Lurker's Guide. Carl and I were somewhat split on this one. This episode has certain scenes that really stand out in my memory and a lot going on in subtext. Carl thought parts of it were a bit too cliché, though did think Sebastian was very good. 
The opening scene when Sebastian looks out into the station is a great setup for the final explanation of who he is slash was. He sees the same decadence that he saw in London very long ago. The scene with Vera in the elevator is just superb. So much is conveyed and no dialogue until Jakar cuts his hand and just says, dead, dead, dead. When the Borlan ship arrived, Carl did predict a normal person coming out of the ship. Carl also predicted that the test would actually be a test of humility, which I think was a lot of it. Only when she was willing to die alone and unrecognized for another did she pass the test. Did the ambassadors think that Sheridan would arrive to help? I didn't really think about it early on. I didn't think about it either. Carl thought Lanier's appearance must have been a setup as a test of resolve. It did not. Yeah, it did not appear to be unless it was planned for him to go get Sheridan, which would make sense. Otherwise, Sheridan would not have found her. Thoughts from the ambassadors? Hmm. I, I think it makes sense because it. Although I don't know, I don't know that uh, that Sebastian really knew what would actually break her because he seemed to be getting pretty desperate there when he was just mm-hmm. torturing her because yeah so maybe he let it happen because he figured he needed to take a different route i don't know carl thought that jack the ripper tie-in was a bit overplayed when he says jack at the end that, that it would have been more effective to have not said the name final questions for the ambassadors who are you why was sebastian asking that question how does Sebastian compare to Morton and what he was asking? Carl thought that though Sebastian seems on the surface to be more evil, Morton is much more terrifying. Yes, I yes. agree. Why would the Borlons choose Sebastian to be their tool? Was there a significance to Delenn's testing being in the gray section that looked a lot like the gray council room with the circle of lights? I didn't even think about that. I would think so, probably. <laughs> but yeah. Um, quotes, Sebastian, I was found by the Borlons. They showed me the terrible depth of my mistake, my crimes, my presumption. I have done 400 years of penance and service, a job for which they said I was ideally suited. Now perhaps they will finally let me die. And then Jakar to arms dealer, and this is paraphrased. While your body could be found, it could not be identified from what was left. And Jakar is really sinister. In this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's happy and, when he wants to be. Yeah. And ratings, Carl's human weapon seller, alien, Kosh, rating zero. Lori's human, Sebastian, alien, beer for the elevator scene, and rating 8.5 out of 10 drops of blood. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah nice. thanks for your feedback. Hey. So if uh, you want to send feedback, just send it over to mail it down below podcast.com or leave us comments on facebook or yeah, on our web page or head over to itunes and give us give us a six star review maybe <laughs> <laughs> all right it's time for predictions the season two finale is called the fall of night fall of night fall of night shadows can't be seen at night right mm-hmm. so night is falling too dark oh. <laughs> Um, the, the war starts. Didn't Clarence say that there's no such thing as night in deep space? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say that... lecture everybody. <laughs> Yay. More Clarence. It's a Clarence-centric episode. <laughs> <laughs> For the season finale. 
<laughs> okay, well, it has to it has to do with the shadows because that's where it has to go. I mean, the Narn Centauri War is basically over, so there's got to be a big play coming. Um, and we're talking about the light and the dark and everything, what it has to do with the shadows, and so definitely has to do with that. Sorry, I had to put it on mute because the banging started again. Is um, it a Tyrannosaurus Rex? I mean, like, is there a dinosaur coming? Actually, I think it's probably uh, my handyman. Because <laughs> oh. I'm doing some stuff in my backyard, and I I, I guess that must be it. Um, yeah, I don't know what like what, what is going to start this war. I mean, I think it's too soon for the Shadows to turn against the Centauri. Um, so what could they do? What could they do that would really cause quite a bang? Um I mean, they could attack Babylon 5, uh, or they could maybe, attack Earth. Um, maybe now that Kosh has uh, uh, tested Delenn, maybe now he's ready to like go on the offensive and start something. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, phew, season finale. It, yeah, that's all I got. They attack something. Have a lot the of war begins or something. Yeah, the war yeah. begins. Um, uh, I was just reading the synopsis, and something happens that I didn't think happened in season three. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, <laughs> right. oh, oh there's something interesting happening. Yes, but I think that the um, well, again, since it's almost the end of the season, I don't know how far they're going to go with this, but I just see something a bad consequence happening from Jakar's. Uh, revolt, you know, some bad repercussions from from that, like the Centauri finding out or something. Yeah, or like them retaliating or something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, overall predictions are sort of uh, similar to uh, to the predictions we've been making for the finale because I don't know. Uh, Long term, I don't have a lot other than this war is going to happen. Yeah, I feel. I, although I do feel like people talked about Sebastian a whole lot and uh, what his question means and the difference between him and Morden, and I feel like that. I don't know if he'll come back, but I feel like that is significant in a way that we're not picking up on. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure. And then we have another guy asking, "Where are you?" We're the representative from a, a third group that will come up later. You'll just ask everybody, yeah. where are you? Yeah. Where are you? He's, maybe he's the Mimbari representative. <laughs> then somebody else will say, why are why? you? Why? <laughs> just why? Just why? If you got who? So you've got Doctor Who coming on board, maybe? <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah, the you've got the time And... <laughs> I'm all for this. Yeah, the tide is showing up on, up on B5. Now I would be all for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't know anything about the shadows, really. You know, like who they are or what they want. Yeah. Um, we're getting all this information or we're doing a lot of speculation on the show about what the different characters that we see want and who they are. But yeah. we know nothing about this, you know, this shadowy antagonist. Now, yeah, now, now, the only, the now only... you say that, now you say that, uh, Elizabeth, uh, you also don't want know what the Warlands want. 
Yeah. Because... Yeah. Okay. Sorry. The That's only okay. thing that uh, that I think that the shadows want, just based on what we have, what information we have gotten from various sources, is like ultimate domination, which I don't feel like is a very interesting motive. So I feel like there has to probably be more there than that. I would think so. Like, you know, at the beginning, we just saw the Narns as being like these kind of villainous uh, warmongers. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that they were more the victims. And, you know, the Centauri were actually more of the the warmongers. And I wonder if we're going to get, you know, a lot more information into the background of the shadows and maybe their relationship with the other old ones and the Vorlons and wait, there's probably more there than, well, I hope oh, so. Oh, I'm sure there is. There. Yeah. I'm sure there's more there because the Vorlons see them in one way, but I'm sure they see themselves in a different way. Just the same as the Narn and Centauri. There's always the two sides to every story. So, yeah. Um, also, I want to see, uh, I want to see more about what was brought up about the Mimbari souls being reborn as human, because I feel like we definitely haven't seen the end of that. Oh, I have this bad feeling that they sidelined that plot because Sinclair had to go. I hope not. I know. Because it did happen after he left. Like, we got that information after he left. I feel like they were just rushing to, like, tie up the loose ends because they had this whole plan about Sinclair being re- the reincarnated Mimbari soul and then since he had to leave. I know that's how, that's my feeling. I mean, I mm-hmm. hope we do find out more, but man, we haven't talked about it since the beginning of the season. Yeah. But, you know, he's pretty smart, JMS. He'll probably find a way to bring it back somehow. Tie it all well, into sure, everything. I'm sure he could find a way to bring it back with the uh, upcoming uh, Sheridan Delenn baby oh, yeah. that's going to be happening. True. So Yeah. This, <laughs> oh, God. Never mind. I was going to say something really terrible. Alright. The plan next week is to have on Matt from Twin Peaks podcast and Intro Briscoe. He's never seen Babylon 5 before, but he's going to watch The Fall of Night and we'll see what he thinks about the show. <laughs> having be only seen that that's going to be an interesting experience. Interesting. Very interesting. See how my little experiment goes. Looking forward to that. I think I explained the reasoning maybe on Facebook that like we're finding out that so many of us like myself and like Ian, we just kind of jumped in at the show because, you know, back in those days, you didn't have DVDs and streaming services to get caught up on shows. So we had heard about the show and just had to jump into it. So uh, I, I see what happens. I uh, discovered it by a friend having the uh, the gathering was into a, a group of trickies and uh I didn't really like the gathering too much, but yeah. when this when the series proper started, I said, "Okay, we need to see what it is," and it turned out I liked it. Yeah, you're one of the lucky few. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us again this week. It's always good to have you on the show. Well, thank thank you. you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah. always great yeah. getting your feedback, whether it's in person or your emails. Thank you. Uh, remind us where you can find you out there. Oh, well, I am in the Facebook group. I am on Twitter as at Babylon Lurker. And you can find my blog at babylonlurker.net slash blog. I think that's it. Well, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back 
next time for the season finale, The Fall of Night. But until then, goodbye. Bye. 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 Be you. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.